As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard The Athletic's Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. Welcome into the Can't Wait Podcast. Friday, October 22nd. It's Patriots Week, a week before Halloween, and the Jets are headed to their personal house of horrors. That is Foxborough, Massachusetts. 11 straight losses to New England. They'll try to snap that streak and get going coming out of the bye week. I'm Tim McMaster along with Connor Hughes and Marissa Morris. Thanks for checking us out wherever you do, whether it's YouTube Live or Apple, Spotify. Give us a rating if you uh, would like to. That would help us out as well. Lots to get to on the show. Obviously, the Patriots game. Um, We're going to talk about the injuries the Jets are dealing with right now. And we're going to start with Marcus May. But Connor, first of all, you've had to deal with another Twitter battle, I guess, right? With the Jets. I am, yeah. I I didn't um I'll tell you what, like obviously DJ is the new the new Jets beat writer. So I've I've given him I give him shit on Twitter all the time and he gives me shit on Twitter all the time. And so obviously I was enjoying my Knicks super fandom uh since um you know that that big victory that they had over Tim Celtics. And um he had fired off something like, you know, the Knicks don't matter. Good luck winning a playoff game or something like that. And so uh I'd responded to him. I was like, hey, he's a very open and uh upfront about his dolphin fandom. And I just pointed out that I mean you're coming at me over the Knicks winning a game when the Dolphins had just lost to the uh the Jaguars, which is a pretty uh pretty ugly game considering the Jaguars hadn't won since like the first George Bush administration. And uh so I was like, ah, oh, that's pretty good and went 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 along my way and then randomly i want to say like a little bit later i i went on my twitter and i saw people start tweeting me like oh my god he's a giants fan oh my god he's a giants fan oh my god he likes the giants oh my god he likes the giants i'm like what the frick did that come from and so sure enough i look and dj responded to me and said you know the dolphins have the same record as the giants and obviously that has now since had jet fans go into a tizzy over me being a giants fan and i can I guess I will like at this point, thank you, DJ, who I told this as a as an off the cuff remark of I remember he asked me like one of the first couple of times we met, like, oh, who did you root for when you were a child? And I was like, oh, I grew up a Giants fan. And then I got into this field and I stopped cover. I stopped rooting for teams and uh, didn't really expect him to go ahead and tweet that. But when he did now, obviously, I'm my flood. Every everything I tweet now is flooded with 
but the Giants, but the Giants, but the Giants. So I guess, I mean, I've been doing this now since 2014 that I can tell Jet fans that, yes, I did, in fact, grow up a fan of the New York Giants. That was my mom's team. My dad was not um, uh, the big football fan of the family. My mom was and my mom's entire family grew up were Giant fans. You know, they're from New York and all that stuff. So. It was one of those things where we rooted for the Giants when we were kids and and when I grew up. And if you didn't root for the Giants, then, you know, you had to find a new place to live because you weren't going to be a part of that family anymore. So uh, I grew up as a kid. I rooted for them as a kid. But one thing that I will say, and I've said this over and over and over again, that when you enter this field and when you are in this field year after year after year after year, you do lose any semblance of fanhood. I mean, you don't root for teams anymore. You don't root for games anymore you don't go searching through oh i have to oh what are what are the giants doing what are the giants doing what are the giants doing i mean i can last sunday was the jets bye week and i didn't watch a minute of the giants rams game i played around the golf and then i turned on red zone and watched whatever the best games were on sunday i mean you don't you just lose that fandom i mean the teams you honestly end up rooting for the teams that you know players are a part of or uh, people that you've met in this field are a part of. Like, I'll watch the Buccaneers because I know Todd Bowles is over there and Casey Rogers. You know, I'll watch former players that I covered that I had good relationships with. I'll watch where they go and watch those games. Or, as you guys know, I am a big, big fan of the line. So whatever team I have money on is the team that I will be watching. That That and, is and, your and, true fandom, Connor. Yeah. Let's be <laughs> honest. True for all the haters... Yes. Yes, yeah. for all the haters out there that are going to message Connor about being Giants, he is not yeah. a Giants fan. He is a fan yeah. of the line. 100%. He's a Giants fan when he picks them with the points. Yeah, 100%. Which I didn't pick them this week. I actually bet the Panthers. I think Panthers are going to roll them. But what's funny is like I was talking to DJ about this in London. Like, cause he had, like the, they put the Dolphins on the Red Zone channel, and he said, like, oh, do you still root for the Giants? And I was like, honestly, man, the only time I really watch the Giants is if I go home and my mom has it on or if like my aunt and uncle are like talking about it. I was like, I still keep in touch with them because my entire family, even though I cover the Jets, they all ask me about the Giants. So like, I keep in touch with like what they're doing. I'll give my opinion on them and stuff like that. But I don't like actively root for the Giants. I haven't watched a full Giants game since the uh, they had a primetime game that I bet Uh earlier this season i forget what when it was but like i watched that one but that's the only game i've watched I, mean, I don't think i watched any games last year of them like that kind of a thing so i mean this whole like oh my god you're a giants fan how could you you betrayed me like look yes i was a giants fan when i grew up i was a giants fan in high school when you enter this field and i've been doing this since 2014 so eight plus years or so i can promise you that you lose any semblance of fanhood and you just lose and honestly that's how i found myself going to the knicks and how i found myself going to the mets because i wanted an escape and i wanted to find that same rooting interest so i found those teams and and just kind of became rooting for them but this whole like connor's a giants fan connor's a giants fan oh my god is a little it's a little blown out of proportion yes i rooted for them when i was a kid that was my team when i was a kid but i can promise you now that there is no allegiance to me and the giants although i will say that my favorite player to this date this i will come clean on my favorite player to this date, bar none, was and is Jeremy Shockey. Like, I, that is the guy that he made that catch in the Hall of Fame game against the Houston Texans when I was in, like, third grade. And that, aside from when the uh, the Giants won the AFC, the NFC Championship against the Vikings way back when, in, like, 2000. And I remember watching that game with my mom when I was in, you know, first grade or something like that and thinking, it, like, football was cool but never really went back. I was into Power Rangers and Pokemon and all that shit back then. But when Shockey made that catch against the Texans, was when I was like, that was freaking awesome. And then I just became, you know, engulfed in football. And now football is my life and my career. So that's kind of cool. But yeah, this whole like notion that Connor's a diehard Giants fan and Connor, you know, has the Giants pulled up in the press box when he's watching it. It's just, 
you guys can pull that one back. Like, yeah, I root for, rooted for them when I was a kid. I, I do not root for them in any way, shape, or form now. I can promise you that. If we scroll uh, the web camera around Connor's room, you will not see a Eli Manning poster on the wall. Not gonna you happen. will not. No, you will not. No, that is that is very, very fair. You'll see a Knicks hat that's over there. You'll see that kind of stuff. But no, there is no uh, no Eli Manning poster on my wall. No Justin Tuck fat head. Uh, I do have like Jeremy Shockey jerseys in my mom's basement, though. Jeremy Shockey, Corey Webster was another one of my favorites. Like those guys are in, in the basement, though. And um that's it like this like yeah that's that's but thank thank you dj for outing me and thank you dj for having me deal with this for the last 48 hours that's been fun i can honestly say having covered you know being in covering different sports um over the years and teams that you you grew up rooting for you know similar to what you just said sometimes it's the worst thing as far as that goes because suddenly you cover a team that you grew up rooting for and you're like you know what there's a lot of people involved here that I I, I don't really like. This Bingo! You know, you know Bingo! what I mean? There's a lot Bingo! of things, yes! that, you know, that it, yes! it almost makes it, like you almost end up liking back. those yeah. teams less because yes! like, you, you just yes! learn There's too much. You I get found. to see behind the curtain yes. and it's just say it's it, but yeah. bad. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't going to say that just because I don't want to go like, you know, to what do you call it? Like, who knows where your career ends up going? And then all of a sudden, right. you know, but yeah, that's that's very, very true. Like, I can't I cannot stress that enough. Bingo. Yes. That is like you figure out things. And I covered them for two years, the Giants. And like you figure things out and you hear things and you hear stories and you're like, that's not how it was portrayed to me. That's not <laughs> yeah, what it's. That's wait, not how what? 10 year old Connor saw it. Yeah, no, that's not what I thought. <laughs> and now it's like, yeah, you know, all that stuff. But yeah, the, the, the my allegiance lies with the line. That is the best way to, uh, to describe it. All right, let's move back to the Jets. And um, before we get to the actual game against the Patriots, what this team has to do to make it a different result than the first time around and Zach Wilson playing better coming out of the bye. Um, the bigger story later in this week has been Marcus May, Connor, because he spoke on Thursday. He says he wants to stay. Um, he actually said that his agent, Eric Burkhart, the, the tweet that went out that that kind of sent a different message. He said he doesn't have control over those tweets, obviously. He doesn't have access to his agent's phone. Um, but at the end of the day, I great. Marcus may wants to stay, but the two sides are far apart. Deal's probably not going to get done. It really doesn't make sense for him to stay in my mind at this point. I mean, it depends what happens in the next two weeks. Obviously this team wins two games. Who knows? You want to put the best team on the field, but it just feels like it doesn't matter if he wants to stay. The writing's on the wall. Yeah, that's, that's probably, that's pretty, pretty fair way to put it. I mean, this, uh, it takes two to tango here and it's, it takes both sides. It takes both the Jets and it takes both Marcus May. And both of these two guys need to figure out, yeah, this is the number we're willing to come back on. And right now, Marcus May is asking for a number that is ridiculous. I've done some research on it. I haven't been given the okay to clear to say what that number is, but it is ridiculous. There's no like negotiating. The Jets are like, all right, here's a reasonable offer that we think you're worth. And Marcus May was like, give me this much. Well, Marcus May's representative was like, give me this much. And the Jets are like, okay, now. Let's meet in the middle. And in the months since, there has been no meeting in the middle. It's been from May's representatives. No, let's continue to just pay me this. And the Jets like, that's not happening. And so it seems very clear right now that there's no deal that's coming. Obviously, they can't sign a deal right now. They've passed the deadline. There seems very obvious there's no deal coming in the offseason. Marcus May wants to test free agency. The Jets are not going to franchise tag him again. So the thought process becomes, and I wrote about this yesterday, is that do you realizing that you're going to lose him in free agency and that you're not going to re-sign him. Do you 
try to get something back for him now instead of playing like the conditional picks, blah, blah, blah. Like get some return now knowing you're going to lose the player in a couple of months. And if you're a contender, if you're a team that's fighting for a playoff spot, obviously you don't do that because, you know, all right, yeah, we're keeping the player now, but he's going to help us make a run. If the Jets lose this game to the Patriots, if they lose next week to the, the the Cincinnati Bengals, two games that they very well might lose to drop their record to one and six, the pre-Thanksgiving Day tradition of playoff elimination is back in effect. I mean, the Jets are not bouncing back from a one and six start to catch the Buffalo Bills for the divisional title or make one of these three wildcard spots. It's just not happening. So if that's the case, trade Marcus May, get something back. Now, what I will add to this very quickly is that Trading Marcus May and the value of Marcus May is very convoluted right now because of his off-field issues. I mean, this isn't as simple as it was two months ago when a team that was trading for Marcus May, the only thing they had to worry about was, okay, we're either now going to lose Marcus May in free agency or we're going to have to pay Marcus May. You know, similar to when the Giants traded for Leonard Williams from Joe Douglas. Like, the Giants knew, okay, yeah, we're going to get him now for the final stretch of the season. We can evaluate him in-house. Then we can pay him or franchise tag him. Like, they knew Leonard was, was good and they were going to figure out a way to keep him. With Marcus May, you not only now have to figure out how much what you want to pay him, you have to figure out how much you want to pay him. And now you have this legal situation that's hanging over his head because that offseason DUI, he did not report to the Jets. He did not tell the Jets. And because he did not tell the Jets or tell the NFL and his representative and Marcus May kept that all inside until it leaked, it now opens him up to additional penalty, which is going to be a suspension from the NFL. I mean, Marcus May is going to be suspended to start the 2022 season. So now if you're a contending team, how much are you willing to give up to the Jets for a player that you don't know for sure if you're going to be able to resign? You don't know how much it's going to cost to resign and is going to be suspended for the start of the 2022 season. How much are you willing to give them? I find it very hard to believe the Jets get a third round pick. I find it very hard to believe the Jets get a fourth round pick, even though they're able to get that for Chris Herndon from a desperate Vikings team. Chris Herndon, I heard caught a touchdown this weekend. Congratulations, Chris Herndon. But for Marcus May, what are you going to get for that? Maybe a five, maybe a six. And at that point, if you're looking at a fifth or a sixth round pick, does it almost make sense just to keep him and have him right out? Because he is a leader in the locker room. He does make your defense better. And he does make that secondary more complete because he's basically the only veteran voice. So, you know, if you asked me two months ago, or if there was no off-field DUI, it's a really simple cut and dry answer. It's trademark as may. Get yourself a third round pick. Get yourself a fourth round pick. Ship him to Tampa Bay where he can be reunited with Todd Bowles. Now, it's so much more convoluted. And I tend to lean towards Marcus may probably stays for the rest of this season, just because I have no idea what comparable fair return compensation the jets are going to get for me. I don't think they're just going to try to dump them for a sixth round pick. I don't see that. All right. We'll get much more to get to, including of course the Patriots game coming up this Sunday, but we have to take a short break looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, back to the podcast and back to the game that's coming up this weekend. That is the Patriots, and this is not your typical uh, scenario going into this game. You have a one and four Jets team, a two and four Patriots team. Patriots have had some tough losses. One point to Miami, um, they lost it by the field goal at the Horn to Tampa Bay last week overtime against the Cowboys. So they've actually played good teams, tough, but losses are still losses. Uh, Mac Jones is. He played pretty good against the Jets. He looked really good late. Well, he had the bad pick, but at moments against the Cowboys. It's just an interesting matchup, Connor. When you think of the 11 straight losses to this team, you think of obviously most of that being Belichick and Brady and a team that was contending for Super Bowls. Now you have two teams that are just trying to fight their way back to 500 if possible. Yeah, hey, it's kind of weird to think about the entire landscape of the AFC East, especially if the Dolphins somehow managed to finagle Deshaun Watson from the uh, the Houston Texans. And I know that like, I know that that report's been disputed. I think just the, the two to Washington part has been disputed, but, but not like the actual, uh, here's the thing. If John McClain in Houston's reporting this, it's like, I remember talking about this with the, with the, uh, with when the jets were rumored for Watson before all like the massage parlor stuff is like, they John's John's as plugged into Houston as any reporter is plugged into any organization, in the NFL, he's been doing it forever. He's been at the paper forever. Like he is, he knows what's going on with that team. So if he's saying it's coming with the next week or so, I would hedge all of my bets towards it coming within the week or so. I mean, that's just where I would put it. So if Deshaun Watson goes to Miami, I know they're going to have to deplete the team and all that, but look, it's who do, who wouldn't want to play in Miami? It's South Beach. And then obviously you're playing with Deshaun Watson. It's going to help finagle that team and they're going to make some moves and they're going to be a very different team. The outlook for that team is going to be very different with Deshaun Watson than without. Then you add in what the Buffalo Bills are and they are one of the best teams in the NFL and probably going to be one of the next best teams in the NFL for the foreseeable future as long as Josh Allen and Sean McDermott and 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 that organizational structure is there. They're probably going to be a very, very good team. They've, they've built themselves up for continued success. And then now you have the Jets and the Patriots who are trying to reach that level of the Buffalo Bills. Or I don't want to say get to the level of the Miami Dolphins because the Dolphins don't look like a very good team this year. But if the Dolphins get to Sean Watson, it changes the outlook of them. So if you're looking at all that with Watson and then the Patriots, the Jets and the the, the Patriots are now somehow trying to fight to get there. And I will say this, that like, it's weird to look at both of these teams and be like, well, who's further along and who's getting there and who's making the push and who's going to make the play and who's going to, going to get there first. But I will say that I, I, I like the way that the jets are building themselves more so than the Patriots. I mean, the Patriots went this route, this off season of, spend like a mother effer in free agency. I mean, whether it was Judon or Jalen Mills or the two tight ends, Hunter Henry and, and Johnu Smith and, and, and bringing in Nelson Aguilar and just, just spending money and spending money and spending money. 
if the Patriots had gone out and traded for Deshaun Watson, or if the Patriots had gone out and gotten a veteran quarterback, or the Patriots had gone out and gotten Matt Stafford, I get the free agent approach because you're like, all right, we've got a quarterback that can win now. Let's put the pieces around him and we'll win now. But to make all those free agent signings and then go out there and get uh, Mac Jones, it's almost like, well, you spend all this money, which is going to deplete your future cap space to get players to surround a quarterback that's not ready to win now in a developmental team where the Jets have taken the approach of, look, we are a rebuilding team. We've got a rookie quarterback. We're building this thing through the draft. We know it's going to be short, short, uh, uh, only small little results right now. You're only going to see little flashes in the pan, but this is the long-term approach and this is going to make us a team better for the future. Now, obviously that's predicated on hitting draft picks, right? Because just having draft picks doesn't mean you're going to be a good team. You need to hit them. You know, the Jets roster Looks a lot different if Jabari Zuninga is a contributing player, not somebody on their practice squad. If James Morgan is a contributing player, not somebody on the Panthers practice squad. If LaMichael Pirine is a contributing player and not somebody who's inactive every single week. I mean, if Denzel Mims is a player that the coaches like and is going to be out there every single week. I mean, this this the Jets had a ton of draft picks in 2020. They whiffed on what looks like a chunk of them. They had another bunch in 2021. Looks like they got some good players, but we'll see. And now they're going to have a ton more in 2022, but they got a hit on these picks. But the outlook of these two teams, both of these teams trying to fight back to relevancy, fight back to competence, it's fascinating to me because they took two very different approaches. The Patriots are looking to buy their team and looking to build their team by, by spending money. The Jets are going to let's build this team through the draft and, and it's who's going to work. Well, I like the Jets approach a lot more when you're not a team that's ready to win right now, but it's predicated on them getting those picks right and it's predicated on them spending the money right and i will say this tim and i think i can't remember if we talked if i wrote this or if we talked about this on the podcast everything kind of blends together at this point i'm fascinated to see the jets offseason approach this year because we've heard from joe douglas over and over and over again built through the draft built through the draft built through the draft He's taken a very stingy approach to offseason, in particular free agency, in terms of I have my walkaway number. The minute that you exceed that walkaway number or have an offer above my offer, I'm not giving it to you. It's why he went George Fant instead of Conklin. It's why he's played in the second and third tier of free agency, not getting involved in the first and second tier. He's given bigger, more substantial contracts to Carl Lawson and guys like Corey Davis and even Connor McGovern, but all of those paled in comparison to the top tier deals that were handed out to the other guys at those positions. He did that when he had the backing from ownership of Christopher Johnson, when he had the patience from ownership from Christopher Johnson, when the Jets were very much in this, yeah, if it's going to take four or five years, that's fine. It'll take four and five years because Christopher was on board of let's wait historically, that's not Woody Johnson. Woody Johnson is the one who wants the results now. Woody Johnson is the one who stepped in and said, even though everyone and their uncle knew Darrell Rivas was towards the end of his career, Woody was the one who stepped in and said, no, give him whatever he wants. I want I want Darrell Rivas back. That's Woody Johnson. Woody Johnson's the one who steps in and, and forces the trade for Tim Tebow. He's the one who steps in and demands they go and get Brett Favre. He's the one who isn't about the slow and steady wins the race. He's the tortoise going out or he's the hare going out there. Sprint, get to the line as fast as possible. If you fall asleep, I will fall asleep halfway there, but we'll get up and do it. That's Woody Johnson's team building approach. <laughs> I yeah, got it. There you go. Marissa woke up from, from the game yesterday to, to flash the Terp sign. You talking about um, the tortoise and I'm wearing a Maryland shirt with a little turtle on it. There so. you go. Prop. So uh, what I'm very fascinated to see is if this season goes for the Jets, the way that it looks like it's headed. 
three wins, four wins. Like if that's where they dabble in, God forbid two wins, but I think they'll get more than that. If they get to three or four wins, does Joe go into this offseason feeling a little heat? Does he go into this offseason feeling a little pressure? Does he go into the offseason hearing Woody Johnson walking behind him and seeing Woody Johnson behind him? Like, does he feel that pressure and say, you know what? We're going to be a little more aggressive in free agency. And suddenly the Jets, who are going to be armed with basically $120 million or whatever again in free agency, do they start playing in the waters that they never went in before? Are they going to vacate the kiddie pool to start making big splashes? You know, are they going to try to go get Devonta Adams? Are they going to try to make the big corner signing? Are they going to try to get the bigger, the other offensive linemen? Are they going to pay above market value just to get these players in here, knowing that with free agent signings, you do get the flash. You do get the immediate jolt. You do get the immediate infusion of success to help your team start winning now. Those stars dim when rookies end up getting brighter and brighter and brighter, but the Jets are going to eventually have to start winning games. And knowing if they're just building this through the draft, the 2020 draft class isn't really going to start playing their top ball for another two years. I don't think Joe Douglas has two years. I don't think he has three years, especially if the Jets only win two or three or four games this year. So will he change his offseason approach and do more of what the Patriots did last year? I don't know. And that's something I'm going to be watching heavily when this offseason comes around. And it's something the Patriots rarely did in the two decades of success, obviously. And you wonder when you look at last offseason, the Patriots were coming off a bad down season. Um, Bill Belichick had to witness Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl with a different team. Uh, Bill Belichick's not getting any younger. I think all of that went into him saying, all right, we got to make one last run here. Let's spend. And they had the money to do it, and they did it. And We'll see. It's still early. You did it for a quarterback. You're not going to win with a rookie quarter. That's what I don't get is like if if they kept Cam, right, or if they, like I said, went out there and and traded for Stafford or they went out there and they got Deshaun, I get it. Like because you're saying like, all right, we've got the money. Let's make the run so we can be the team now. Like I get that. But it doesn't make sense to me when you do all that and say, okay, and we're starting a rookie quarterback because you're not. I mean, think about it. Like the Justin Herbert was as good of a rookie quarterback as you're ever going to see. He didn't make the playoffs. I mean, the last like rookie quarterbacks that I really think made runs at the playoffs, weren't they like Ben Roethlisberger and, and Joe Flacco? I think both that those guys right. went to the yeah. playoffs as, as rookies, if I'm not mistaken. And RG3, I think Robert Griffin III took, and I don't think maybe Andrew Luck. Like it's so few and far between that you have a rookie quarterback that goes to a team and you just do it. And I know the Patriots were, what they win, like six or seven games last year with Cam Newton, something like that. So I know that they were like, okay, well, a little bit closer and fuse it with talent, maybe win eight or nine in games of the rookie. But the rookie's not going to do it. Like Mac Jones is not going to light the NFL on fire. There's going to be a slow, methodical build because he's a rookie quarterback, and that's how rookie quarterbacks development goes. So to go that spend, 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 it it didn't it didn't make sense to me. I remember seeing it and being like, that's not that seems very oddly desperate especially oddly desperate when you then go and start the rookie quarterback. It didn't make sense. I mean, you're seeing it. I mean, Hunter Henry, I know he's caught touchdowns in like his last three games, but like he's not making the impact he had with the Chargers. Janu Smith is is just a guy. Like he's not doing anything. I, Jay, like um, Nelson Aguilar is like fine. Like the, 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 the I think the only player that's really that they signed that is like, you know what? He's looking pretty decent is Matt Judon, right? Because mm-hmm. what does he have? He has six, yeah, he has six and a half sacks this year. So Judon yeah. looks like he pieced everything together. Like, give him a lot of credit. But everyone else, those other signings, it's like, eh, like, okay. Like, I get, it, again, they played the Jets and the Jets didn't lose that game because of who the Patriots signed or who the Patriots drafted. The Jets lost their first matchup because Dak Wilson threw four interceptions. So I know we got to talk to about him, you know, 
ghost busting this weekend but like that's why the jets lost the game they ran for 152 yards in that defense like the 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 offense moved up and down the field the defense kept mac jones at bay they kept him out of the end zone they win that game if zach throws one interception not four that's a fact and and it's it's wild to me to 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 again like those two offenses offseason approaches stark indifference in my opinion the jets were the right move like the jets the jets are building this thing the right way what i'm fascinated to see though is if it changes this offseason yeah, it'll be interesting. Patriots uh, rankings right now, offense is ranked 24th in the league, defense 18th. Uh, it, it hasn't been pretty two and four is the record. But back to the Jets because they're coming out of the bye week, and we've talked about it so much on this podcast. It's been written about so much. The slow starts, the no points in the first quarter, the 13 points in the first half all season. Um, that's what has to change which when you're going into this game is fun because you know, you know what? We're going to we're going to know if something's different with this Jets team right away. It feels like like what what did they do in the bye week to kind of jumpstart the offense to get it going earlier in games? We're not going to have to wait long to find that out. See, this is where actually Andy and I, uh Andy Vasquez and I were talking about this yesterday. Uh we went out to the um the Florham Park Diner like in between practice to get some, get an omelet. They make a really good omelet over there. Um, and I have where I live, I have no good diners in central Jersey. Like if anyone has any recommendations, I live in Princeton. Like there's a lot, like there's a lot win. in Somerset County. There's, you just got to drive a little. I mean, you're talking about 30 minutes away. Yeah. Somerset County is 30 minutes from me. So I'm not driving 30 minutes for a diner. Um, like, no. I'm not doing that. If I'm doing that, I'm going to Al's airport Inn or something like that. Like that's a good spot. I like that. Like that's a dive bar. That one's fun. Like there's, um rocky hill inn that rocky hill inn tavern that is my favorite place for a burger like that's where i'm gonna go if i'm gonna drive 30 minutes i'm not gonna go drive 30 minutes for a diner but um andy and i were talking about that because the jets have made it almost where if they don't drop like 20 points in the first half it's gonna seem like what the hell guys or if they don't right. score a touchdown in the first half or first quarter of this game it's like what the hell guys because robert Salas said atop the podium in london it is my goal to figure out what is wrong with this team. And where I'm going to, I think it was a bust my butt to figure out what is wrong with this team and move forward and fix it. And then coming out of the bye, it's yeah, we've identified things. Yeah. We've changed things. Yeah. We figured it out. You know, Corey Davis saying it was just mental errors. We fixed that Zach Wilson saying, you know, we don't have to change anything only then to then say what the jets need to change. I mean, they basically said like, okay, yeah. The Michael floor coming out and saying like, yeah, I, I did a, I did a, I, I looked at myself hard in the mirror. And that's what you have to do to turn it around. You know what I mean? That's like all of these guys to a man were like, we identified what's wrong. We figured out what's wrong. It's fixed. We're ready to go. The problem is, is that when you think it's fixed, you think it's fixed. You say, it reminds me of like, and sadly, I've done this many times. It's like you get in a slump in golf and you go online and you go on YouTube and you watch like a million videos about, you know, how you can stop snap hooking the ball or how you can stop chunking chips or how you can hit your irons more pure. And you watch three hours of, of, of YouTube videos and how you how to fix your golf swing. And you go out on the course the next day. You're like, I fixed it. And then you chunk the first one off the tee. And you're like, God damn it. What the hell? You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of what it reminded me of. Like this whole, like this, this, the, the end of the bye week going into the bye week and then coming out of the bye week is like, we fixed it. And I do genuinely believe that if the, if the Jets take their first offensive possession down the field and score a field goal. They pick up two or three first downs, get a field goal, or or even better, they score a touchdown, or they get a field goal on their first drive, maybe a first down, then punt on their second drive, then get a touchdown on their third. If they do something like that, I think it'll all start rolling because I genuinely believe that they are in such a mental funk with this, that they are just pressing the issue. They are trying too hard. They were overthinking everything, and it's putting them in this rut. So I do genuinely believe that's part of it. 
But the flip side of that coin is if the Patriots defense comes out and they force a three and out on the Jets first offensive or possession. Or God forbid. And the Jets an go another for, an interception, yeah, or a sack fumble or the sec or maybe the Jets get a, a, a one first down but then have to punt and then they're three and out, three and out on their second and third possessions. It's all of a sudden it's going to be like well, you said you fixed it and it's the exact same. It's just and now all the players are going to be thinking, we said we fixed it and now we're still dealing with the same issue. Zach's going to be saying, I thought this was fine, and now it's bad. LaFleur's going to be overthinking. Now Salah's overthinking. Now everyone on the field is overthinking. And then it starts that downward spiral again. So the Jets have almost not set themselves up to fail, but the Jets have set this up where if they don't succeed, it's going to be ugly. Because now suddenly every question in the postgame press conference, if the Jets lose the game and have another slow start, is you said you fixed it, and it looks exactly the same. So now what? You know what I mean? Like, it's 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 tough. But I will say, like, I'm on the Zach Wilson side of this where what Zach Wilson said, I understood, even though he said, he goes, we don't need to change much. We just, and then he said kind of what they needed to change. What he meant was like, it's not like there needs to be wholesale changes here. Like, I think they are just overthinking it. They are in such a mental funk where they are overthinking everything. They know they can do it. They know they can execute because they've done it in the second half of games. They are just now overthinking why they're not scoring. They're overanalyzing. They're overdoing. They're stressing. They're pushing, pushing the issue. And that's what's leading to, drops turnovers random mishaps three and outs and it's just like they just got to get back to playing confident football they need to get back to playing comfortable and you need to get back to not thinking so much honestly i think that's it now will they do it well we'll see we'll see yeah and wilson i mean i think as far as bye weeks go right and who gets helped out by a bye week to me, rookie quarterbacks can get as much out of a bye week as anyone, right? Because it's a chance. Okay, I've played six games in the NFL, and man, this is hard. I got to take a step back, watch some extra film, breathe a little bit, and get back at it. I think it could be a big lift for Zach Wilson. We'll, like, like you said, we'll find out uh, very early. All right, we got a little more to get to, but we first have to take another break. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, so the biggest thing is we want to see, um, obviously, Zach Wilson play better, Connor, but Elijah Moore also, um, you wrote about him a little bit this week and, and him finally getting back to the guy that we all thought he was going to be when he lit it up over the summer. Um, those two things can help each other, though, right? Like, uh, maybe if Zach can find more a little more, it, uh, and if I can stop saying more, it would Fun. be helpful, too. Um, they'll be on their way. Yeah, and I, honestly, man, when it comes to that, I think that it's – a lot of it is the Jets getting back to how we thought they were going to use Elijah Moore to begin with. This guy is not a, a pigeonholed 
outside receiver. I know that he made plays during training camp, which is what LaFleur said, lining up outside, that one of the things they loved the most about him was how deep he could get and, and the ease in which he got deep and blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. But that's fine. Like, yeah, he, he had a hell of a training camp. He made plays. He flashed. But look at how dominant and dynamic he was at Ole Miss. Look at the way that they used him at Ole Miss. Look at the where where he lined up, the way they got him the ball. I mean, they realized he was – among their, if not their most dynamic, electric, wake up, Tim, electric playmakers on the field. They realized that. So they found ways to just get him the ball because when you have a player like that, when the ball is in his hands, good things happen. You know what I mean? Like if the ball is in his hands, more good will happen than not. And so you just design ways to get him the ball. I don't see that happening with the Jets. I see like I you can I've watched the film. I, I see like Elijah Moore's open on this route. Okay. I see there are times when Elijah breaks, you know, there was one play I know on a third down where Elijah looked like he ran the route a little too far. Zach Wilson threw it short. There was some kind of miscommunication. They bounced it to him. I know there are times where like, you know, he, he's doing his job and he drew the DPI and all that stuff. That's fine. I get it. I know that Corey Davis is a good receiver. I know the Jets are trying to get Jamison Crowder the ball. I know they haven't had a, the great number of plays, right? And I, the joke that was in my mentions like crazy was that, you know, when Michael LaFleur said he scripts the first 24 plays of the game, I was flooded with so the entire first half from like Jets Twitter, <laughs> which cracked me up. Like, I get that. But in my opinion, Elijah Moore should have the ball in his hands 10 to 15 times a game minimum. I don't care if that's catches. I don't care if that's runs. I don't care if that's screens because he's going to do something special with one of those 10 to 15 touches. Get him the ball, period. Like, get him the ball. And if you get him the ball, good things are going to happen. And I think that, you know, like Corey Davis, I think, is a good receiver. Keelan Cole, I think, has a skill set. Jamison Crowder is a good slot receiver. But the Jets' most explosive, the Jets' most dynamic, the Jets' most game-changing player on that offense is not Michael Carter, is not Corey Davis, is not Tyler Croft, certainly not Ryan Griffin, not any running back or any other receiver, any other tight end. It's Elijah Moore. He is their game-changing. He is their most spectacular. He is the player that has the ability to change a game. So give him the opportunity to change the game. This pigeonholing him into an outside receiver. And, you know, I understand going through the reads. I understand he's not the guy. I understand they have this. That's fine. Start calling up more plays where he is the number one read. Start calling up more plays where the job is just get him the ball. Start making him the focal point of the offense, not Corey Davis or anyone else. Make the rookie the focal point. That didn't happen the first few weeks of the season. And I know Elijah missed a game and a half, but like that didn't happen the first few weeks of the season. It should happen now like it should happen this week and it should happen every week moving forward and i'm fascinated to see that happen and i think if it does you'll see zach start getting in a rhythm now specifically with zach and how zach can turn it around it's honestly i think it's as simple as just like stop making the game so hard on himself like he said it when he starts missing like that throw to tevin coleman when he missed the throw to jamison crowder when he missed the throw to ryan griffin which would have won the game against the titans in, in regulation or maybe that was overtime i can't remember exactly the throw that would have won the game to ryan griffin the throw that would have iced the game when he against the Titans to Corey Davis. These are gimme throws. They're throws that need to be on the money. They're throws that he shouldn't think about, and he's thinking about. I think he just needs to go back to playing naturally. You know, when you see Zach at his best, Zach is at his best when he is running around, just improvising and not thinking, just doing. He needs, and we talked about this, I think, earlier in the week. He needs to get to the point where how he plays improvisationally, when he's not thinking, just playing, letting the game come to him, 
That's how he also plays within the structure and the confides of the offense. And if he can do it within the offense, like he does when it's off script, I think you'll see Zach take it away. And, and maybe this time off and maybe these couple of days and maybe just breathing for probably the first time in a very, very long time will do that for him. And, and you hope it does. And a lot of the things you can do for more, those little things to get more of the ball are simple things, right? They're, they're not throwing the ball 25 yards downfield. It's, it's quick passes and getting it to him in space, which could only help Zach as well. Um, X is a run game, man. Cause you talk about yeah. how the run game is failing, right? Like the jets, the jets have, um, the jets had 152 yards rushing against the Patriots in their first meeting. They have like 218 yards in the four other games. I mean, they're averaging like I, I wrote it somewhere like they're averaging 75 yards on the ground this game, but they're actually only averaging 30 something. If you remove that 152 yard outburst against the Patriots, you don't have to run the ball to run the ball. The whole West Coast scheme, like the, the Bill Walsh old school West Coast scheme was using short passes to replace the run game, using short passes in in, in conjunction with the run game. So. Start doing that. Start. I mean, like you don't want to hand the ball to Elijah. Fine. Give him a screen. Give him a drag. Give him a short route. Just get him the ball at two yards and then just let's see what he can't do. Because a five-yard pitch and catch works the same as a five-yard rush. And and maybe that eventually opens up the ground game. And then you see Mike Carter get going and Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson. And maybe that can speak, you know, spark that a little bit too. So we'll see. But but yeah, I, I agree that that just uh, my thing, man, is is I remember uh, Joe, Joe Caparosa, turn the Jets, Joe just popped up on my timeline here. And he used to have like the old, when he used to sell shirts, I don't know if he still does. And it was like, feed a Nunwa was like one of the ones that he said. And they didn't mean use a Nunwa as an outside receiver instead of Brandon Marshall and just, you know, work him in as a receiver. It was get the ball in the guy's hands because good things happen. Just give him the ball. And you saw that sometimes with a Nunwa before he got hurt, where like, he would make a five-yard catch and just start running guys over, and then the team gets juiced, the team gets amped, and suddenly things start rolling. Do that with Elijah. Just get him the ball, whether it's a curl, a drag, a screen, a jet sweep, something out of the backfield. He's a dynamic, explosive player. Give him the ball, and I think if you do, the rest of the offense will start falling into place, and everything else will start working. All right. It'll be interesting to watch. And we'll, like you said, the, the beginning of that game is going to be huge. Um, before we say goodbye, let's do our picks quickly. Um, things aren't going well for me, although two and one last week. Um, we don't have the full standings. I'm still tabulating those. Uh, but Connor, you're in front. Marissa's in second. I'm in third. Next week, I'll have the full breakdown of the points. But go ahead. You're also, Connor, though, already down one this week. Because you're going with that Thursday else go night first? Game. I'm bringing these up. Oh, why is he down? Because he bet right. against the Browns. Yeah, well, you know what? I also lost the freaking hundred. I, I, you would have thought. Oh my goodness! I don't even want to get into this. Okay. I said I. We said, have a hard out in was... nine minutes, so give okay. us your picks. All right. Um, can somebody else go? I'm scrolling up to get mine. Okay. To Here are mine. Um, that I basically took from Shil Kapadia, our great uh, uh, national reporter at the Athletic. I am going. Sorry, Jets fans. Patriots minus seven. Seahawks plus four and a half and Colts plus four. Seahawks. Yep. Seahawks are Gino. Ship. Yeah. Gino. Yeah. Um, all right. All I'll right, go. Tim, you want to go? You want me to go? I'm ready now. I'll go. I'll go. Um, okay. I get the Titans plus four and a half uh, against the Chiefs. Uh, Vegas minus three against the uh, against the Eagles, and then Carolina minus three at the Giants. 
Yeah, so I did make a, a colossal mistake, and I, I ruined my friendship with Michael Dunn by betting <laughs> against the uh, the Cleveland Browns on Thursday night, although I wanted to bet against the Browns when they played the the Cardinals. I loved that Cardinals line. I decided to flip it on its head because I guilted you into it. Was out and yep. everyone else, you guilted me into this. So I flipped my bet. I lost out on the money I put down plus the winning that I would have made down. on the. So I was like, you know what? We're going to right the wrong, going to bet against the Browns this week. No way with all those injuries and no Baker and no running backs. No way they're going to beat the Broncos. Broncos were hey, 3-0. and Dearness Johnson, the Jets. pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah, you did tell me to pick him up in fantasy, so I give you I give you credit Hey, there. he's got another um, great story, too. I actually retweeted the tweet. Um, he was messaging people on Twitter to show them his highlight tape to get into the AAF, which Michael played in as well. So Did they play together? No, he played on the Orlando team. But oh, okay. pretty freaking awesome for a kid That's that cool. was like, hey, look at my tape. I want to play in the AAF to on Thursday night football rushing for 146 yards. So yeah, That's awesome. 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 Love stories like that for sure. Yeah. I don't love losing bets though. So I'm already on one for the week. Uh, I did <laughs> we like take that the Bron- too. <laughs> yeah, I did take the Broncos plus two. Apparently that line was three and a half earlier in the week. So I would have cleared there, but the plus two, I did not. Um, thought I had a chance there. I thought, you know, Broncos maybe late, late run there from Teddy Bridgewater tried the reverse jinx on Twitter by saying Bridgewater sucks and, and didn't work out for me. So, uh, unfortunately I'm own one, but the other games that I'm going with, I like them a lot. Going to parlay them. Cause I'm, I'm feeling confident. The first one, one in five giants against the Carolina Panthers. I love Carolina minus three. I know betting against the home dog is, is usually not a good bet, but that giants team's awful. Saquon's out. Kenny Galladay's out there without every weapon. The team's also bad. Joe Judge looks bad. Dave Gettleman's fielded a horrible team. The fact he kept his job because the Giants almost won a division at 6-10 and 10 is beyond pathetic. So give me the Panthers, minus three. Sam Darnold, Robbie Anderson, they write the ship against an awful Giants team. Uh, and Sam Darnold's return to MetLife Stadium. Uh, so give me that. The other one that I'm back and forth on that I like, but I don't like, that I like, but I don't like, it's the Dolphins against the Falcons. I'm going with the home dog here in the Dolphins in honor of DJ. Bet in Miami plus two and a half. Um, I do. I like that line a lot more if you get it plus at one point at three and a half. But I just don't think the Falcons are that good. I mean, the Jets spotted them basically 20 points and ended up coming back and beating them. Uh, I think the Dolphins defense will finally get back on track. I think the Dolphins showed a lot more life with Tua in there than they did with Jacoby Brissett. So I think that they should probably, hopefully, Finally win a game. I think that team is too talented to go to one and six. We'll see if I'm wrong. But my other two bets at already 0-1. Panthers minus three. Uh, so I, I like them against the Giants. And then Dolphins plus two and a half against the Falcons. All right. That's going to do it for us. Uh, we will be back early next week with a full recap of this Patriots game. We'll see if the Jets can get back on track coming out of the bye with a big first quarter. Uh, if you want to join The Athletic, you can. You can save 50% off a subscription. Go to theathletic.com slash can't wait for that. We'll be back with you next week. We can't wait.